Quit your job, everyone, right now. In <laughs> quit the- your job. That's the takeaway. <laughs> everyone quit their jobs. Welcome to Marketers Talking Marketing, the podcast where marketers come together to talk marketing. Today, we are joined with Kat for a very, very important topic that I think is going to resonate with the audience because I know everyone listening to this is a high performer. And if you're further into your career, you can probably relate to what you're going to hear for this conversation. If you're newer in your career, you know, take notes, let's chat because I think we've all been there to work through what it's like being a I'm going to say high performing young woman in the workforce, the challenges you face and some of the challenges of just being a woman in the workforce, being younger in the workforce, etc. So, Kat, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. And I'm really, really thrilled that this topic actually gets more traction now. So um, as for now, I am a demand generation specialist in Mesente, which is a company providing SMS API services. And before starting working at Mesente, I kind of to go a little bit back in time. I studied journalism and communication from which my marketing career started to grow out. And I kind of started my own marketing company when I was in college, on my first year of college, just to make a little bit of money for myself. And now the past seven years, um, I've still had that company and I've worked also through different marketing positions in various companies up until today where I'm now transitioning to B2B marketing, basically. Nice. The exciting, I think B2B is very exciting. Yeah, Some definitely. people find it boring, but it definitely has unique challenges with it. So, so you started your career really on the consultant freelance side, working with brands on their social media, and then transitioned in-house. Have you ran into scenarios where you're just not listened to? People just kind of ignore what you're trying to contribute? Yeah, definitely. To be honest, I think that's something that has really haunted me throughout my whole career. I have had quite a couple of experiences in that situation. So especially when you're a young female professional, and especially when you're starting out, people kind of, um, they lack a little bit of trust in you. And usually these are the older, more experienced colleagues um, that kind of might look down on you or overstep your boundaries or your decisions. So I just have a couple of examples how I encountered it when I started out. So one of the most basic examples was being on meetings um, and my ideas got taken over or um, represented as someone else's, which is so unmotivational and especially when you're starting out so young and so early and someone just kind of takes your ideas and either dismisses them or makes them their own it can have you know a detrimental effect of kind of their whole career in marketing yeah that's definitely happened to me say similarly where i will pitch an idea and it won't get traction then someone else will say the idea in a very similar way and it just yeah. gets globbed onto. It's like, I just said yeah, the exactly. same thing that they said. Yeah. Um, and I, I started, so people may not know, I started my career in manufacturing engineering, actually designing production lines. And I was often the only woman in the factory, like let alone the only one in my department. And it would often, I didn't realize at the time, uh, but 
they would often be like, man, like, it's really nice to have, like, a really smart woman around. And I was like, oh, thank you. And then I was like, wait, hold hold the fuck up, bro. Like, yeah. Because there are other female engineers that had been there who had left. And I think when you're, when you're younger in your career, you're new to a company or new to a role. Because um, now when that happens, I, I just call it out. And I'll say, like, oh, my God, Joe, thank you for repeating the idea I just said. But when you're younger to a company, you're, I shouldn't say younger, I say newer to a company, newer to your role, it's a lot harder to stand up and to say, hey, hold on, Joe. Um, something I used to do is I would look at, are they saying it differently? Are they, what's the difference there? And then I would ask, and I would say, hey, you know, you know, someone, I would ask someone else in the meeting who was maybe towards leadership that I trusted and say, hey, you know, I noticed that I pitched the same idea that Joe did, but when Joe said it, he got traction. So can you help me understand, is it about my delivery? You know, what is it that I could change to have that same reaction? And sometimes there were situations where they would say, oh man, I didn't even realize you said that. But like Joe captures attention. Joe commands the room. It's like, well, okay, hold on. How do we change that? Because a lot of those, they're really soft. They're subjective. And it's often has bias implicit in it. It's harder when you're newer to a role, though, to feel comfortable calling that bullshit out when you see it. Yeah, right. So the thing that you also mentioned, like there's kind of a power trip in the room going on. Yeah. And and they almost didn't even notice you're there. or They didn't even notice that you said anything, you know. And that's that happens. That still actually happens to me sometimes <laughs> where in a meeting, I'm kind of trying to get my ideas on board or I'm trying to have a say in a conversation. But because naturally as a female, you're softer, you're kind of more submissive in some situations, you just get overlooked and overstepped on. So that's yeah. something that I've struggled from the very beginning. I'm still struggling with it, but now I kind of know how to deal with it better. So that's one of the big examples that I've had. Yeah, we definitely, I think, as women have to find that balance of being assertive, but not being not being demeaning, not being bitchy, yeah, because exactly. it's it's really easy for it to be taken into these kind of negative sides. I had an yeah. executive coach once. Uh, who life-changing if you ever are thinking about doing executive coaching life-changing and my challenge at the time was that we had done a leveling assignment for the company and I leveled that VP HR agreed I leveled that VP but they wouldn't give me the title and so when I said all right what's what can I do let's talk about what needs to get done to get there and it was all really subjective feedback and they're like executive presence you need to work on executive presence I'm like okay great Tell me, like, what does that look like to you? Let's get some concrete things. And everything I would just hit. And so my executive coach said, you know, a lot of times people say executive presence because they can't say you're not old enough. Exactly. And so I went back to them, to someone I was close with on the leadership team and said, hey, you know, here's the feedback I'm getting. Here's what I'm seeing. What are your thoughts on it? And he said, yeah, you don't have enough gray hair to be an executive. Which like, is, are you, yeah. like, I made a massive impact. He's like, exactly. And and like, I will tell everyone I talk that you are the best marketer I've ever worked with, but you do not have enough gray hair. We need executives with decades of experience, not a decade. It's like, that's in like, that's like what? I mean, I, I left the company, um, you know, shortly after because it was clear there was no growth opportunities there and no promotability. And though I had made a massive impact because of my age, 
I wouldn't be able to be treated the same as if someone had that same impact who had 10 years more experience than I did. And there's like the hard truth is there's organizations where like this shit happens. And if you can't change it, what I would say to anyone listening to this, who's like, I've been in your shoes. If you can't, if you can't influence in the organization and you can't create a path where you're still successful, leave. It's not worth your energy because there's another company that is going to recognize and value your talents a lot more. Exactly. I agree with this a hundred percent. And, um, I had, I worked in a company where, they had kind of the slogan that said, like, our people are irreplaceable. And I unfortunately got fired from there. So oh, oh no, I was <laughs> I slogan. was replaceable, you know? <laughs> yeah, but that, and that was a red flag. Actually, yeah. if someone says they're irreplaceable, because if you're irreplaceable, like you're not going to get promoted, like you have to be yeah. irreplaceable. You, exactly. Yeah, it. So you got fired from the place that told you you're irreplaceable. Yeah. And at that moment for me, I kind of, I understood why I was fired, but I didn't understand what I could have done to, you know, not get fired basically, or why. And for me, for a really long time, I kind of was embarrassed to admit that I got fired. And I was also kind of offended, you know, because if the company has a slogan that everyone's irreplaceable, you're kind of thinking like, why am I then, or what's wrong with me for getting fired from that company? You know, why am I the one who's replaceable? Yeah. And now, thinking back, actually now, the idea of being replaceable is one of the most suiting ideas for me. Because yeah. the job will always be there. The position will always be there. Someone else will 100% do this job. You know, and this is where I want to circle back to what you said, like, if you cannot influence the company or if you cannot change the processes that that the company is working with, or in my case, well, just getting fired was what happened. Yeah. Leave because you are replaceable in that company and that company is replaceable for you as well. And this is one of the biggest lessons I've learned. And this has made such a big impact for me. No, 100%. You know, there's... I think this idea of retiring from a company is really antiquated in tech, especially now if you're, if you're a doctor, (laughs) this might not apply to you, but in tech, the idea of retiring from a company isn't, isn't real. And there's so many companies where, especially with these layoffs, the volume of layoffs we're seeing, they don't necessarily care about their employees. They don't care the same way that I think companies felt a burden to their employees 20 years ago because they had someone working for them for a lifetime. There's there's entire generations where they would work for a company out of high school and they would retire from that company in their 60s. And that's just not the case anymore. But ultimately, yeah, companies don't... If you have... There's, there's a lot of different internal political structures. And there are companies too where they don't really care about the output. They care about building a, a team, building a family of people that look and act like them don't go don't stay there you know if you want if you're earlier in your career and you want to grow your career quickly you need to be at earlier stage companies where you can make a bigger impact where they also value your impact where it's super visible where if someone if someone tries to take credit for your idea they can't because there's 10 of you at the table and everyone knows where the ideas came from. I think that's where the most growth comes from versus these companies where, you know, your job is to make your boss look good and to give them your ideas. And then a lot of times I think they don't always know how to, how to grow talent under them and create those opportunities. So 
what what advice would you give someone who's who's listening who's like oh man every meeting i go to i get talked over i don't have a voice i'm trying to really find my footing and grow in this role what advice would you give to that person so i think the first thing is that you really um there are actually a couple of things but it all comes down to how you are as a person yourself and how you intend to be as a person so i've always been kind of a bad cop with myself i would say and maybe sometimes even too harsh but at the same time i would say i wouldn't be where i am if i wasn't that person for myself so if you want to be treated as a professional you need to treat yourself as one as well so you need to have that discipline and you have to build that discipline around yourself which means knowing your action plan knowing your boundaries knowing what you want to say if you go to a meeting with kind of like a half-ass preparation or, you know, you just go there and you're kind of in your mind, you know what you want to say and you're kind of prepared, kind of not, you're going to be overtalked and you will not get a chance to get traction in that meeting. But if you go in prepared and you go in with an action plan, I guarantee, I guarantee you things are so much better and it's going to be so much easier for you to actually speak up and not be overlooked in these things. A piece of advice I got early in my career that I carry with me today is whoever has the deck runs the meeting. And so, yeah, if you come into a meeting and you have your stuff prepared, you have your deck, you put the agenda out and you are going to run the meeting versus having a meeting with no structure and then allowing someone else to come in with that and kind of take over. I agree a hundred percent with that. hundred percent. Um, there's an idea also being audible ready. So can you, do you know your program metrics off the top of your head? If you're in the elevator with a client and they say, oh, are you, you know, excited to work together this year and you know all of their, all of their targets, you know exactly what they're doing and you can speak to it. Little things like that can have a huge impact too on your credibility internally, especially if you're in the room with someone else who does not know them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Did you want to give another piece of advice? Well, kind of I would maybe take another step back from the discipline side where you have to you know build your own kind of systems how you work which is super super important but as you said before know your client and know what you're working with which ultimately for me kind of means you have to educate yourself and not only in your skills which are super important but also in let's say employment uh, laws or like legal stuff you know so you have to know what's going on legally as well because I've had so many young colleagues or just even friends you know or friends from college who have told me stories of being laid off unfairly being handed over work that's not theirs to do um being not paid for the overtime and stuff like that or even I don't know now, I don't know, not having, you know, extra perks at work, which for me is like, I wouldn't settle for less what I have set myself on. Yeah. But if you do not know these things, it's so easy to manipulate you to, first of all, do the work that you're not supposed to do. And second of all, get kind of neglected your basic needs at work. Yeah. So what my suggestion here is that really, really, if you get a contract, whatever you do, you need to get in it. You need to read it really carefully. You need to read what you're signing for. So 
really that's that's something that has changed my perspective on even you know applying to a job basically yeah i agree i think it's not enough for us to know our core function anymore um i always tell interns and employees newer early and earlier into their career anything of a different phrase i keep saying newer to their career if in that if you can learn how to like read a contract if you can learn how to do accounting because you need to manage a budget and you know project management that is going to help you out a ton I had an employee, an events employee once who almost got stuck into a, a verbal contract because the the gentleman had worded the email and said, hey, we can create a custom sponsorship package for you and you know we're super excited, but I need you to just tell me via email that you agree that you're going to be purchasing it uh, prior to all the other contract reviews that need to happen. So if you tell me that you're going to purchase this custom package we're making for you, I can hold it until legal reviews are done. In the U.S., if someone makes something custom for you and you agree to buy it verbally, that's considered a contract. You're legally bound to buy it. And if you back out, you have to pay for it. And so she almost got stuck in this contract. And so I saw it come through. I was like, hold on, because I took contract law in, uh, in undergraduate school, undergraduate co- uh, college. So I saw it come through and I flagged down. I was like, hey, don't, you need to respond in this manner. Like, we will not enter into a contract until our legal team is bought, you know, reviewed. We're super interested in this. We want to work together, but legal has to review this first. And the guy was very mad that this young woman had outsmarted him with his attempt to trick her into a contract. It's like, come on. You know, we did the package with him because we really wanted to get to their audience. It was a great event, but we refused to work with that person anymore. We got a different sales rep because you're being shady. I think that's part of it. You mentioned knowing, knowing what you want and knowing where your boundaries are. Yeah. You know, if you, if you don't know that what you're being asked to do isn't fair, they're not going to comp you for overtime in the United States. If you make under like $33,000 a year, you are legally required to be offered overtime for it. And so if your employer is not treating you fairly and you're allowing it to happen, you're setting that precedence for how you're valued internally across the board. So I think it is super important to know those and to set your boundaries and say, I will not be spoken to this way. I will not be treated this way at work. Like, here's what I demand. You know, here's my my value. Here's my worth. Here's my line that I draw. And yeah. if you don't see it, then you don't see it. And I'm going to leave and go to a different company that does respect it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like. I kind of have developed, only not even in the beginning, but like now over the years, this has really hit me that you are trading your time, your mental health, and your energy, and your skills for someone to pay you money. Basically, that's the basis of working. You know. Yeah. So you need to be careful for what you trade it with. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, so, that's yeah. going to be a little social snippet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> on do it. its own. Yeah, because I know it is. It has such, I mean, I think burnout is so high for a lot of people too because they get in that cycle. Yeah. So setting boundaries at work can be can be difficult for a lot of people. Do you have any tips on how people can set those boundaries, identify them, etc.? Yeah, so I heard this really, really good quote and this has also stuck with me for a long time. And that is, most of our problems start when we say yes too early or no too late. Starting out in my career, this 
has been really, really important to, you know, know when to say yes and know when to, and know when to say no as well, basically. So when you start out, you kind of want to try a little bit of everything. That's how I was going. You know, I was doing some copywriting, some uh, social media, some design stuff and stuff like that. And that was to figure out what I actually like. But that can be a bit dangerous if you start jumping to every opportunity that's presented to you. Because at one point, burnout will happen 100%. And, you know, for me, a red flag is that when I spend more time during the day on the meetings than doing my tasks. Because if you're booked from nine to five with meetings, you're not going to have time to actually do the job. So you will have to postpone your tasks. Um, your, I don't know if you have uh, clients, your clients will be unhappy because the tasks won't be done or your employer will be unhappy. And at the end, your mental health will suffer from that. So before you say yes, even if you know 100% you want to um, accept the opportunity, Take a moment and say that I will think about it and I will get back to you. No opportunity will pass you like that if you say you need a moment to think about it. And then actually think about it if you want to accept it or not. And, you know, even when you say that you want to think about it, you come off as more confident. Whereas if you're 100% in, yes, let's do it right away, you might come off as, you know, a little bit rushy. And this is also something that really when you're starting out young might seem like you don't have your things figured out. Yeah, kind of impulsive. Yeah, exactly. Part of my job as a manager leading teams is I want to circulate feedback internally for my employees. So it's not just me giving my perspective, but I'm pulling in other leaders that they're working with, you know, uh, counterparts in different teams. And I would find there was often kind of a theme between the men and women on my team where the women common feedback was consistency and like emotion and opinion. Like, you know, they seem, uh, re reactive. Isn't the word excitable. They'd be like, yeah. they're really excitable. It's like, well, they're really excited about the job. They're happy with what they're doing, but they'd be like, well, they're too excitable. They're too into it. Like they're too excited about it. It's like, well, what? <laughs> like, don't yeah. want someone enthusiastic. And so they would often give feedback on almost more of their emotional state and their reaction and their, their, how they emoted feeling about things versus the male employees would tend to get actually more quantitative feedback of, you know, their, uh, their presentations are good, but they need to go more in depth and blah, 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 blah. Whereas often it was around like their reaction to things, which I thought was so interesting because, I had, you know, female employees that outperform male employees hands down, but <clears throat> their feedback was never around performance. It was always around what I'm going to bucket into executive presence, which I think again is kind of a load of bullshit to hide biases in how you think an executive should look and behave. Cause it's, it's like the, the collection of all the stuff you don't want to say. <laughs> this yeah. Point. Yeah. And when it comes to saying no to things, like this is what we already a little bit covered also. If you feel like this place is not for you, or if you feel like the job is not for you, or you don't feel comfortable doing something, it's so okay to say no. Like, I think the most important thing in starting out young is actually knowing when to turn down an offer. Yeah. So... 
really just nothing will happen if you say no. You know, one day I saw this, like the other day I saw this really nice uh, LinkedIn post and it was two pictures of our glow and they were identical. And the headline was that the world before you make a mistake and the world after you make a mistake. It's It's still the same, right? And it's the same like with saying no, the world won't change. Nothing big will change of that saying no or turning down an offer. But it has a big effect on you. And if you've said no in a place where you actually want to say no, trust me, you're going to have so much more confidence with each no or each yes that you're going to say from that point on. You being at a company and you leaving a company will never make or break a company. Never. And if your impact is that massive, that company is either like a four-person company because <laughs> there are definitely small ones. But if you're at a proper-sized company, um, your your being there and your leaving will not make or break them. And if it does, if it does, that's not good for the company, right? Yeah. I think a lot of times we'll stay in roles longer than we should because we feel almost indebted to the company and our team. But the reality is companies change and grow and the employees needs change and grow and the type of employee they need, you know, your marketer at an early stage company is different than your marketer at a series C or D company. It changes. And just because that company isn't the right fit for your skill set anymore, isn't a poor reflection on you. It's always, it's always like the right choice to put your needs first for what you need emotionally, mentally, workload-wise, and go exactly. to a company that appreciates what you bring to the table. Yeah, That's, 100%. This podcast is turning into uh, inspiration to quit your job. <laughs> but if, you're, if you are finding yourself in meetings where you're not being listened to, do what you can. You know, It's an opportunity for you to look at, even though there probably is some sexism in it or some ageism in it, look at those who are being listened to what are their traits how are they presenting are there things you can pull from them but there's a point where you know if you're not if you're not going to get promoted because you don't have enough gray hair you can't change that you cannot change necessarily typically almost all the time you cannot change their perception of what good looks like so go to a place where you are what good looks like to them yeah yeah. Yeah. Quit your job, everyone, right now. In <laughs> quit the- your job. Bye. That's a takeaway. <laughs> everyone quit their jobs. But <laughs> it's especially important if you are a really driven, hungry, aggressive person who wants career growth because getting into that wrong role and being in a company for too long where they're not feeding your fire, you're going to burn yourself out you're going to burn yourself out and it's going to be a lot hard for you to get back on that because you're going to start seeing the people who used to be your peers excelling because they're at the right company. They're in the right environment for their success. It's hard to find that sometimes though. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I Just agree. don't give up. Join. I would also <laughs> say, you know, I think, so Kat and I met through demand, uh, which is a fantastic Slack group. So if you're also finding yourself in those roles where you're not getting listened to, you feel like you're, maybe not in the right role for you, join networking groups, join Slack communities, go and talk to other people in the industry and see what are they experiencing? You know, you're, I'm a marketing coordinator. You're a marketing coordinator. What do you do in your job? What do they expect you to do? Oh, you're, you're doing something totally different than I am. 
okay, one of us is not in the right role, go talk to people. I think a great way to figure out if your job is right for you too is talking to people that do your job at other companies. You know, see what their responsibilities, see what their pay is. Exactly. Ask them what they're getting paid. Exactly. And the thing is, no one is gatekeeping that information from you. Every professional that I know or that I have gone uh, to ask for feedback or for advice, they're more than happy to give that advice to you. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most underrated skills among young professionals is networking. You need to learn how to network. You need to learn how to get out of your comfort zone and start talking to people. Even on like Slack communities or, you know, online communities, you need to just reach out to people. Because one good connection will open so many doors for you. And I, oh, this is just something that I yeah. preach to basically. I think that's like number one tip. Number one tip, if you are any stage of your career at all, network. Yes. I have only applied, I've only had to apply, like got a job through applying for it twice in my entire life. And being in tech, you know, I'm not, I'm not like 10 years at a company. I think my longest run was like four years. Um, but my first job I applied for out of college and from that I got poached to my next company and then I got poached to the next company and then I consulted and then I got poached to the next company and then I applied for the next job and then I got poached to the next company and it was all moving and once yeah networking it's the number one thing it's the number one thing and also if you're internally if you're in a role and you come in and say, hey, I talk to, you know, we're building an event marketing program. And so I talk to event marketers at 10 other companies and here's what the industry is doing. It helps your credibility so much. Yeah, definitely. This podcast has two themes. One is network. Number two is yeah. quit your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, where we're, that's where we're going with it. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. I agree. This just, yeah. you know, for me, it was kind of the same in the beginning when I first got a job in a big corporate, basically, I didn't apply. Uh, they reached out to me because we had some connections, you know. And from there, I kind of jump-started my career as not a contractor, but, but as an employee. And I was with them for three years throughout various roles. And that was an opening door for almost all the opportunities that I have now. So really, really try to find these good quality connections you know you will have your friends actually one thing that i really suggest if you need to go to an event which is a work event or you know after some after work events or something where it's still a professional crowd in it or the people still are kind of your network where you should make connections go alone do not bring your friend to these events do not bring your close people with you to your work events because you need to be in that position where you have to go and talk to someone. But yeah. as soon as you have someone with you, it's so easy to hide, you know, yeah. behind them or just stay in that comfort zone and not get out there. So go to these events, but go alone. I love it. Yeah. Networking is such a, such a crucial, yeah. crucial part. Well, thank you, Kat, so much for joining us today. If anyone wants to learn more, connect, links will be in the description below. And we'll see everyone on the next episode. (laughs) Thanks for having me.